Okay, I guess what I'm saying is the reason that I'm not mad about that, and please don't interrupt me, is because... I'm your big brother. I'll interrupt you whenever you want. Shut the fuck up. Um, Whatever I want. Oh, God. It's like when we lived together. I know. For those 12 years. Um... episode where we've started at 90 degrees. We've worked up to it before. We've ended at 90 degrees, but who knows where we'll end. Who knows what heights we'll get to. Maybe we'll uh, go down. This is your next obsession. Welcome back. I'm Quinn. And I'm Renee. And today is a very exciting episode. We're excited today about this episode. Today is an episode that has been in the works um, for months. It's been in my Google calendar. Yeah, like two months. For like many, the many, day the day I got long. sober. Yeah, it's true. It's so this that's is, exciting. This episode is, as they say, in the family way because because our guest is Max. That's creepy. Sorry, <laughs> it's really creepy. Just a turn of phrase. Um, our guest is Max. Max also happens to be my brother, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. A very very honorable distinction. Yeah, it, it's true because there's only one. Yeah. There there's only one in it, you. Yes, but we are honored uh, to have Max as our guest this afternoon. The last guest of the season. Yeah. What? I know. You're really yeah. Yeah. Ending so, it poorly, I no, see. Ending it, ending it on, a, on a high, like the temperature. Okay. <laughs> so, Max. Yes. You texted me many options of things you were going to talk about. Same. What have you landed on? I'm going to talk about jazz. Jazz, Ooh, jazz, jazz. Great. Jazz. Which is great because I, I don't know that much about jazz, so I'm going to learn a lot today. Well, so yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, like with any obsession, I'm not... I'm not at the level of expert yet. No, you know, of course. that's okay. I like was thinking about talking about like punk or something, which I know like the back of my hand mm-hmm. uh, because I've been doing it for so long. But that's because I you mean, are, and you that, are a musician, right? It should be said. You yeah, are yeah, and and that is of course an obsession. You know, as I've gotten older, I can't be bothered to go to shows anymore because I have episodes of Seinfeld to watch. Yeah, um, very important work. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really listen to it or keep up with new bands anymore because, huh. you know, in that kind of arena, I'm old as hell. So I've always been into jazz, like on the, you know, just standing in the outskirts of it, but I kind of fully tried to throw myself into it. So I'm still learning. Nice. You know? That's great. You don't have to be an expert to be obsessed with oh, something. Yeah. Absolutely You not. clearly have the passion, which is all that matters. Yeah. Well, that's because Max is simultaneously the most talented and most humble human I know. And Man, you're building me up. <laughs> he's this also very things. uncomfortable um, when I say those things, um, which is why I said it on uh. recording. <laughs> so we have it forever. Can't escape it. Can't escape it. Um, Whatever Renee says is automatically true. It's on the pod. It's true. Um, yes. So Max in, is in and of himself a very talented musician, um, as you mentioned, not in the ja- jazz. No, that's like that takes a level of talent I don't think I will ever get to. I don't know if that's true. So then what what has led you? Because I know that like growing up, it was like very much punk from a very early age. That was like your big thing. It still kind well, of is. But what? where was the transition? So punk was cool because you didn't have to be a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. You could just play guitar. It could be terrible. And you could still put out records and mm-hmm. play shows and have, have people put out your records. Like you, not, you not spend any money, but have some basement dwelling nerd with a little bit of extra cash, you know, release your record, mm-hmm. and distribute it, and go on tour. And it was a fairly simple process once you kind of got the hang of it. Mm-hmm. But there is kind of 
an end date there because, you know, you don't want to be 50 playing punk music and playing in somebody's basement. I mean, I don't. Some people do. Right. You know, and it's also weird, too, because the band I'm on tour with is easily the biggest band I've ever been in. And I play tambourine. You know, who would have thought, like, I put in 15 years of work Mm -hmm. learning bass, drums, and guitar Mm -hmm. and playing those and going on tour and sleeping basements and now people kind of know me for playing tambourine and i get to stay at the hollywood roosevelt because of it very nice hotel yeah and it's this weird thing and so right around the time of starting this last band i there had been trends in like hardcore and punk that i just didn't like i wasn't resonating with the music i wasn't relating to anyone going to the shows you yeah. know i always liked when i was younger and going to, i always liked meeting people mm-hmm. Meeting like-minded people. Right. Key difference in our personalities. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I avoid people at all costs. And that's, I mean, that's <laughs> certainly... Really, and that's true for you. Like, you find people and you hang on to them. I hang on, on and, then I'm like, and then I'm like, I don't need anyone else. Case in point, our friendship. <laughs> I mean, but there's something to be said about that. Um, yeah, I know that, I mean, I haven't been to probably even like a fraction of the shows that you've done but the ones that i have only been to one quinn had been to one. Oh yeah that was an especially dangerous one it was not, it was not really dangerous a very exciting experience a couple of different gangs were at that show yeah. and like <laughs> which we learned about after we the learned fact. At, which is probably for the um no but what i was going to say is i have not even been i probably like have not even scratched the surface but the few shows that i have been to the thing that has always really resonated with me on like seeing you in your environment Mm -hmm. is how many people fucking know you and you know them and like all of these people who want to come up to you who you introduce me to and it feels like even though maybe it's kind of something you're growing out of was at least for a huge portion of your life a community of people who were similar and who were going through similar things and who were like a family to you if if that is a correct observation i mean kind of um you know, I still know all those people. Yeah. So I've maintained those relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I just, you know, when you start, when, you, when you're when you not able to keep up with it anymore and know which records are coming out when and like, because punk is less about the music and more about being a part of it. You know, I, I can't name one record that came out this year. Mm-hmm. A right. DIY punk record. I, I don't know. And when you kind of get to that point, it's, you know. But is the band you're in now, is that still a punk band or is that more? It's more like, when I say punk, I mean like really aggressive stuff. Mm -hmm. This band is more like The Clash. Okay. Sounds like The Clash with Talking Heads. It does. It's definitely more like So people would call that punk, but I don't know, maybe it's indie. Right. It'd be like a light light punk. Yeah, it's punk punk light. light. As I'm sure you'll speak more to, I think, in music, and in in film and any kind of medium, like the whole concept of genres is pretty fluid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it is, and um, I mean, you get bogged down. You can get bogged. Yeah, totally. You can get bogged down in that with all the. We need not dwell with, on that. When did your obsession with jazz begin? Was it sort of organic to your becoming a musician and learning how to play? No, because play? I do not. I have a hard time appreciating jazz as a musician. Okay, like oh, interesting. Um, I, I like it more for the emotional value. Hmm. Um, so let me let me put it to you this way. Yes. Uh, rock and roll. You can I can appreciate a song because I have a, an understanding of the blues scale, right? It's kind of like the boilerplate scale for rock music and blues-based rock music, you know, which is pretty much everything. Right. Um, that's what people solo off of. That's the chord progressions and all the songs you like. And so that's in jazz too, but it's so much more, right? Like that John Coltrane song, Giant Steps. It's based on this thing called the circle of fifths. 
which is this really insane. You have to like, I'm still struggling with how to understand it, mm-hmm. you know, because I know what a fifth is, mm-hmm. you know, there's the root note in the fifth, but the, it was revolutionary for him because it was so technical. He was basing the song on playing in keys based on the circle of fifths, which is, I can't, I can't fully fathom that as a musician. As a listener, I can enjoy giant steps uh, in a historical concept, and in a, within a historical construct. Like you know, it's kind of a seminal hard bop record, and it's kind of moving towards um, free jazz. Because you know, when he was doing stuff with McCoy Tyner, uh, with the John Coltrane Quintet or Quartet, I forget which it is, uh, which was responsible for like a Love Supreme, you get into areas of more areas of free jazz or, or, or free improvisation, which is a whole nother game entirely right. and takes a whole nother understanding um, of jazz because you have that foundation cut away from you. Mm. You have that foundation in, in, in blues taken away. Listening to, like, say, the boilerplate jazz record kind of blue by Miles Davis um, brings you to a different place than listening to Ornette Coleman's The Shape of Jazz to Come, which came out the same year or similar, maybe close, like 57 and 59. Yeah, but Miles Davis was way more known. But Ornette Coleman put out this record called The Shape of Jazz to Come, which was one of his earliest records, which doesn't have piano, which at the time is unheard of because Mm -hmm. piano kind of forms the... Piano is, you know takes a lot of the melody, even yeah. if it's not the, the instrument that people are, that is doing a solo, you know. It's like the scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so Good analogy. Thank you. Ornette Coleman did away with that, and he had two saxophones, mm-hmm. um, and a drummer, and a bass player. Um, and so it kind of, like, takes you to a different place. And music isn't just, I mean, some people listen to music because they like it. You know, you can listen to that new Taylor Swift record, and you can be like, Man, I really like these songs. Really poppy. Once it's in your ear, it's there, mm-hmm. right? Um, without having to understand any kind of like historical context, right, or anything like that. And that's what made punk so cool. Is like you were a part of it, so you understood not only the historical context, like where everything was, kind of you could fit it nicely into a box and appreciate the music. And I think that's kind of similar with jazz, where it's like there was all these quick movements in jazz, mm-hmm. at least to me, like as an outside observer, where people were putting out records and then six months later another record that was sounds different or, or, or builds on what they're doing. And do you think that's because sort of like unlike say a kind of musical genre like opera that evolved that was super popular in its time and like there were always new operas coming out and all these different people competing for people's attention and it was like a popular form of like public entertainment. Do you think jazz was similar in a way that it kind of exploded at this specific time and place? with a certain set of musicians, like predominantly like black musicians in New Orleans, if I understand it correctly. And I mean New Orleans or like right. you know, Chicago. I mean Sure. It's like it's I mean New Orleans has its own type of jazz. Right. Like swimming. Right. So I guess my question is more that do you think that everything happened so it kind of exploded in such a specific way because of the nature of the style? Like because there was so much improvisation and invention and different uh, ways of playing or it, I mean to me maybe but I think the 20th century was a very interesting time for music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really great book called Blues People. It's by this guy named Amiri Bakara, Baraka Bakara. Mm-hmm. I forget. His given name was Leroy Jones. But anyway, he, uh, he wrote a lot about race um, and music. And blues, he wrote this book called Blues People. And it kind of tracks 
the beginning of African music in America. So, like, you know, from the spirituals in the fields mm-hmm. to blues, like Mississippi Delta blues to jazz, and it, it follows them and it talks about modalities and stuff like that. Um, I think I think it was just like the natural progression. Like, black music was getting so big because you had blues, you had the spirituals, and then blues, and then you had white people moving in and, and, right. and kind of filling uh, a niche for blues where um, white people felt maybe at the time uncomfortable listening to black artists. Mm-hmm. So you had white people mimicking it, you know, Elvis. He's rock and roll. Right. But yeah, you know, and then blues. You know, blues bar, it's pretty, pretty established now about him, like, borrowing guitar styles from uh, yeah. from black but, female artists. and. But so you have this movement then from, like, blues to jazz and it didn't just go straight to a love supreme right? right like and jazz was kind of like the pop music of the day like you know flappers and the great gatsby that's mm-hmm. jazz like big band jazz right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it was the popular music of the day mm-hmm. um and you know and then you went into jazz vocals like you, you could say ella fitzgerald is a jazz musician mm-hmm. or, but she know. also sang a lot of like uh, you know, songs from the Great American Songbook and other kinds of yeah. things like musical theater. But that, that would, because jazz came from blues, totally. that whole song, like that whole, it's all from, yeah. It. So I think it was a progression. I think the 20th century too was like, you know, a breeding ground for new music, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the advent of the guitar for rock and roll mm-hmm. um, or the electric guitar at least. I think to get to a place where then you have like Miles Davis's Bitches Brew and Acid Jazz, it's, it's kind of a, a long build. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of course. Does that answer Yeah, yeah. your question, I guess? Interesting. Okay, so you had mentioned something before, and then I think how you can look at rock and roll in one way because you understand it from a music standpoint, but then how you feel about jazz is different because it is a, a musical construct that is either unfamiliar or something that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do. How does that change how you listen to that as opposed to... Well, it just it takes it takes all the... It, it leaves just emotion, right? If I can't understand it, if I can, if I can kind of get a grasp on the history of it, the societal constructs around it, then I have an understanding of it and can enjoy the music more. You know? Do you think it frees you up as a listener to sort of approach it from the standpoint that like people who aren't musicians experience? A little bit, yeah. No, totally. I mean, like you know, and I think there's pleasure. There's pleasure for me in knowing everything. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it more. So that way. But there is something a little free about, like, not really having to come up with all of these opinions on your own. Mm-hmm. Just being able to experience it. Yeah. yeah but so. I feel like that's true of so, of so many art forms and people always either look down on themselves or don't allow themselves to have an opinion about something because they don't think that they're either smart enough or knowledgeable enough in that art form to have an opinion. Yeah. Like, there's that whole thing about modern art and people going to museums and seeing things totally. and being like, oh, yeah, that's stupid. It's a dot. Right. Or like, what does it mean? And it's like, if it makes you feel something, right. that's, that it, that's what it means. Yeah. See, I disagree. Okay, okay. great. Um, <laughs> I think to be an artist or uh, a true fan of something is to throw yourself into it so but there is such a thing as a poser you know like like somebody like somebody and or or a fair weather listener yeah and at this moment i'm kind of a poser i mean i'm not like but if you enjoy it why does that make you a poser because someone enjoying something is not a fan you know like this not like I would, I would argue that that is the definition like, of being. I want to get to a place just because it just, enriches your own enjoyment. Of yeah, it. and like you know, that's why obsessions are great. Everybody's <laughs> true. Yeah, and like you, and 
I'm curious. I want to know. Right. You know what I mean? When you talk about modern art, that's perfect. Dean once told me, he's like, he's, I, I said like, oh yeah, couldn't a child do that? And he was like, who cares if a child could do that? The whole point is not just what you're looking at, mm-hmm. but the concept behind it. Yeah, and like, a lot of it too is, is the process of getting there is part of the work itself. And that was like postmodernism, yeah. you know, like the the process is the thing. Totally. So you got to understand the process. So it's not enough just to look at the art and be like, that makes me happy. That makes me sad. That makes me feel this or that. Because that's great. Fine. Move on to the next painting. But if you really care, you're going to read into it. Or like, I don't, and that's the thing about jazz too. I don't know those ins and outs. And I want to learn them. I guess the first thing is I like the music. And that's with everything, right? You know, the first thing was I like the music. And then we were still living at home. I bought this five LP box set of some Miles Davis records at Amoeba. I, it was like Porgy and, Porgy, Porgy and Bess. Porgy and Bess. Um, Sketches of Spain. Miles Ahead. Kind of Blue. And fuck, one other one, right? And I wore out the grooves on those records. And that was... High time when I was buying seven inches by random punk bands and listening to them and, and being like, fuck you, punk, yeah. And Fred gave me like a horse silver record because, you know, our dad wasn't a huge jazz fan. He was mm-hmm. a big classical fan, but he had an appreciation for it because he was around for that era. Um, and that's kind of what started me off, but I was a Fairweather fan. Mm-hmm. And so. But I think it's interesting that you, you kind of talk about listening to those two genres in sort of complimenting one another or like listening to them at the same time as you're sort of diving into punk diving into jazz at the same not in the same way but that's interesting to me but also i have a firm belief that only assholes limit themselves like i think that's true i mean i think we can all get behind that you know you you all you've met people and like that doesn't mean you can't dislike things i dislike tons of things but you know, you gotta but you can only give dislike, it a shot. You can, but you can only dislike something once you've, if you've tried, tried it. it. Yeah. You know, I was always curious about music mm-hmm. no matter what. But uh, there's some part of me that resonates with the way jazz makes you feel. Hmm. The, the way it goes up and down. The way it goes back and forth. Because it doesn't adhere to the sort of... Uh, ex- more accessible, quote unquote, manageable structures that a lot of songs we hear on the radio yeah. do, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't follow any of those rules. It's not produced in order to be popular. It's right. And you know what? I guarantee you, if which some, is sort of the same as punk. If some jazz listener like is listening or listens to this, they'll probably be like, "Who is this fucking asshole?" And I like it is. I think it's an inherently political uh, form of music too. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, in a way that it. It continually, or at least in the time period that I'm listening to, it continually kind of breaks boundaries. Like, you know, because even when you break a musical boundary, you're kind of like toying with culture and society mm-hmm. and saying, okay, now I've put this out, listen to it. Like, there there are things about this music I will never understand because of what the, time period time, I'm, listening, exactly. uh, I'm listening to it. But for them, it must have been pretty empowering, especially when, like, those artists in the 50s were traveling through, through the South, right. you know? Uh, so... I mean, it's like a secret handshake. And, like, I think a lot of, like, underground music has that, you know. I think, too, a lot of the embracing of spirituality in, like, the late 60s, you know, you see with Alice Coltrane, Farrah Sanders, McCoy Tyner, all those artists that embracing, like, like spirituality, spiritual jazz, uh, Yusef Latif, you know. And it's this complete clusterfuck. It's just like, you know, it's just, like, everywhere. And you kind of, like, and you're kind of, like, trying to pick it apart mm-hmm. and sometimes i think about like jazz you know like a lot of the big bands stars like 
uh, Charlie Parker, mm-hmm. um, for example, like why they got into jazz. Certainly it was popular, right? But was the way closed for them to get into classical music or more accepted right, yeah. forms of, of right, popular like, like music? Like Nina Simone was a trained classical pianist. Yeah. And she couldn't get into conservatory programs because she was a black woman. And yeah. So she, right. And exactly. So like, you know, how much, how many of these people felt forced to play a role that right. soci- society assigned them right. and said, okay, this is acceptable. Right. And in a lot of ways, like necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. And then, you know, to feel like 15 years later or 10 years later, seeing white kids at your show, loving it, right. being like, well, fuck you, you know? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that is where you and I differ on also. I'm still going to go to, before. if I was one of those kids, I would be there. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's human to want to be popular, but it's, of course. it takes inner strength to not care. And that's what's great about jazz, too. And, and the more and you know, brought, it back. brought to you by jazz. Um, and like any obsession, okay. the more you know, the more you love. It's true. About jazz. Okay. As we all know, we end our episodes. Where am I with, this, with a segment. <laughs> we end our episodes with a segment. A different Maybe segment. Well, so we have a series of segments that are recurring. So today we are going to do Pet Peeves. Which we've done many times, but it is approachable and easy, so it's fun. Yeah. Max. Wait, you guys go first. Okay. Okay. Quinn? Okay, great. This is a really tiny pet peeve, and, like, it should also be said as that As a pet peeve should be. Yeah. Right. Correct. Sure. As we've, as, as we've discussed. Uh, and it's not something I... Like, some pet peeves... Like, there's a... There's... By oh degrees, right? Like, some things... <laughs> some pet peeves that you have bother you more than others, right? And some are just less irksome. Thank you. This is on the lesser end of that okay. scale, which is that I don't like it when people mispronounce the word espresso. A lot of people oh, say, say espresso. Espresso. Yeah, that that is incorrect. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. One you time. go, girl. <laughs> Way to be an ally. I, nobody has ever said that to me I more will. disingenuous. <laughs> okay. So one of my pet peeves is we all know how much television I watch is, and I know that this is, and I think a lot of TV shows have dealt with this in, in really interesting and creative ways. But when they show people's cell phones when they're texting mm-hmm. and there are no texts. Oh, that's a good one. Like, that's a good one, Renee. Have you not? Have you texted? <laughs> is this the first time you've texted this person ever? I feel like I'm talking to Jarena Seinfeld right now. <laughs> <laughs> All of these Seinfeld references. I know. <laughs> Do you have a Hulu subscription? Have you been watching this? Me and Emily just ended our Hulu subscription. Wow. That's so sad. I'm so sorry. Tightening our belts. Good work. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that bothers me. And I think a lot of shows actually have gotten better at it. Or they do things like on Jane the Virgin where you don't actually see the screen, but you You see it like pop up next to them. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, So people have been creative about it. But the first first few years when that was like a really a big thing and Mm. there were just no messages. I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) That is a pet peeve of mine. Okay. Max? When people make you take their sh- your shoes off to go in the house, I think in America it's a cleanliness thing, uh, or it, it gives is you, a cleanliness, or it gives thing. you the illusion of like being like you know she she or like you know like blah blah blah. But fuck you, I'm not walking around in socks. Like I I put on it shoes. Is, it is kind of. I put on shoes to come here. I'm gonna wear shoes in your house because it's not my house. It is sort of like a strange position to put someone you don't know that well in. It does feel strangely vulnerable when you're in someone's house and you don't know to them ask. that well. My question is, is your pet peeve the asking of it or just people doing it? The asking of it. The oh, okay. assumption okay. Okay. the assumption that you're That's comfortable fair. with taking your shoes off. It's like, it's you know, I, it just seems kind of like asshole-y. It's like, you invited me over. You know, like, uh, this is me. I put on these shoes to come over to your right, house. Right, because it's like you're a guest. It's not like if you lived there, that would be a different thing. Yeah, like, whatever. you know, like I would never 
ever ask somebody to take off their shoes if they came over to my house. Good to know. The sincerity in your eyes when you said that, as if, like, I would never. <laughs> it's, it's bad manners. Okay, I, I can see that. I think, for me, it's just so instinctual that I don't even ask. I just do right. it, even if people wear shoes in their home. <laughs> like, I don't. Right, that's a different thing. It's, it's childish. Children run around the house without their shoes on. <laughs> Apparently, children also are the only people who wear shorts. <laughs> According to you. Yeah, that's also, it's also, uh, I mean, that's not. A I would pet, like to like, let it be known that Renee and I are both wearing That's not a pet peeve. That's not a pet peeve. I don't mind people wearing shorts. I do not <laughs> wear shorts. You personally do not wear shorts. I so personally like I so long in sense. your life. When I was only wore shorts. When I was seven, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Case in, in point. In San Francisco, which is it's in the cold. frigid cold. Also, it's, it's also, I think, wearing shorts too is like, I was, you know, a pretty chunky child. And I think a lot of I've talked to other like chunky individuals, and they get like a sense of comfort out of wearing shorts because it made me feel pants made me feel more like tight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But then I grew up. Oh, good job. Um, should we do another round? Do you have another? Yeah, pet this is another kind of small pet me, but it bothers me when people just say stuff like, mm, like a mother knows or like a mother's intuition. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't exist. <laughs> what if you're like, like an alcoholic mother? Wait, right, which is kind of my point. It's mm-hmm. like, what like what does that mean? Um, like, do all mothers know all the same things about being Sorry, a mother? Do no. you mean that one phrase or just like those weird kind of phrases that people just I mean, say? I do mean that phrase specifically, but okay. it, I think it does also apply to other ones. But that one bothers me more when they're than like, mm, something's in the air. That bothers me more than others because it plays. <laughs> into like our own you know constructed ideas of what a mother should be or how a mother should act or what a mother should know and it is it, at the same time a meaningless thing to say that everyone has a mother right exactly um okay i have so many pet peeves um, <laughs> we've done this segment a few times and i've had to struggle to I come am, up with them i you always, always have right them it's bad yeah, it's hard um, yeah okay one of my pet <laughs> peeves is um i've been trying to get a lot more um fiber in my diet <laughs> <laughs> This is relevant, I promise. Why, Renee? So I've been eating... For what reason? Do you just not think want, you eat enough fiber? Do you just want better poops? I just want... I want to be regular. Oh, that's good. I want to take care of my I innards. understand. That's great. Sorry. I'm just saying, like, I know why... That you were opposed to bran, but... I'm not opposed to bran. You're opposed to bran muffins. I don't like bran muffins, but, but that's for a, for a different very reason. specific reason. That's you're right. Okay. Reason. We'll get into that later. I'll eat bran in other forms. Okay. So I've been using a lot of raisin bran lately, and I had... It had been a while since I'd eaten cereal. Like, I just wasn't a thing. But when you open the cereal back, uh-huh. and you and you don't and you open like the middle of it, and you uh-huh. don't go all the way to the edge, right? And then you're pouring the cereal, and everything gets stuck in the little the little pocket crease mm-hmm. of that twin spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the end of it, and, 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 then, you, and, it, and then it and then it all comes it, out. It's like when you're drinking water with ice, and then it all hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's that, the yeah. equivalent. Of that, but in cereal form. Okay, I understand. And it's, it's pet peeve of mine. <laughs> it's annoying. It's annoying. That's a good one. It's Thank all you. good ones. <laughs> Thank you. My, I guess. Let's close this out. Um, people that don't know what they want to order when they go up to like Ooh, order yeah, something. That good. sucks, especially if you're in a line. Yeah, no, no, like, yeah. like, like a restaurant's different. Like if you're right. at a nice restaurant, like, no, they give you time. Right, they do you want to look at it. You want to take it on. But if you're but walking it, up to the counter and you're like, have to order. Yeah, it's yeah. like, and then people are just like, uh, uh, uh. It's like you have time to look at it. You have time to know what you want. Say what you want. Give them the money. Say thank you. 
right. and leave. Like I like that you included saying thank you. Yeah, that's well, you have to. It's you also have to tip, but right. But not everybody feels that way. It's true. A lot of people. Oh, people that don't tip. A lot. That's, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a I, huge one. Yeah. And I'm sure that's everyone that's worked in the service industry. I will never tip less than twenty percent. Oh, I, I yeah, I unless, tip more. Unless you yeah. literally spit in my food, I will give you twenty. If I eat or if I consume, if the food that I want, happens, I, I'll tip you twenty. You'll get twenty percent. I think something Mom always said because she was like a waitress for so long is. If you can't afford to go out, if you can't afford to tip, yeah, so like true. you can't, you can't you, afford you have to can assume that you have to put that into yeah. the, you have to the, build it the, exactly. Yeah, but uh, back to your pet peeve is like if if I'm in a situation where I know that I am getting close to the front where I need to order and I don't know what I want, I'll just step aside. Like, oh, you go, I'm not ready. exactly. You can just, just step aside. You can be aside. like, oh, we're not ready yet. You can take as much time as you need. I mean, they're not. Yeah, the people behind the counter are not magicians, right? They're not right. like showing you. Fucking new items that they didn't have on the <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the on the menu. You will pick something. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's just rude. That happened rude. Uh, to me the last time I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm so sorry. No, the last time I went to Wingstop. Oh, that's completely different. I know. That's why I clarified. Yeah, be can't cool. be a jerk. Perfect. Um, moral of the story: You can't be a jerk. Moral, really, just of every. We should end every episode. With that. You can't be a jerk. You got to tip at least twenty percent. Literally, mean people suck. Fucking mean people suck. Twenty percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think like a key. Here's a key tip for people when you're dating. A really good judge of character is how well of a tipper they are. Yeah, so that's good. true. And but it, you know, I was not a tipper for a long time. That's just because I wasn't good at math. When you no, move the decimal what? place over one, which and, and you, you are the person who told me that, and you are the person who t- I never fucking figured it out. I'm a goddamn idiot. You didn't leave anything. Surprised. No, no, no. I always let's not what I but did. But it was I probably did. like fifty percent or like two percent. Yeah, I just did a horrible job with the amount. Like there was always an amount. I just did a horrible job. Anyway, yeah. that knows. Okay. Bye. Bye. This has been your next obsession. Special thanks to Jono for our music, Dean for our graphics, and Quinn for editing. You are welcome. Let us know what you thought of this episode by leaving a comment, and don't forget to subscribe. For more information on us and the show, search Your Next Obsession Podcast on all the social medias and or send an email to yournextobsessionpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. We're adorable. We're so cute.